Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Internet Advisor Tech Roundtable. My name is Foster Brown, and uh, we have uh, some of the usual suspects with us this evening, and that is, of course, Mr. Gary Baker, the Internet Advisor. Gary, how are you doing this evening? It's a pleasure to be here on this uh, holiday weekend. Yeah, glad to have you here with us as well. And uh, I'm sorry, commiserations to you on behalf of the Maize and Blue. The Maize and Blue lost spectacularly. Oh. Uh, however, MSU... Yeah, MSU has a, a share of the title. So half, ha uh, wonderful season they've had. Yeah, so half your household is happy, right? And at least yes, <laughs> half the household. We are, well, we're all very happy for MSU. Absolutely, so green. Absolutely, and hey, by the way, that voice you hear there is somebody new who's being added to the mix, and that's Kurt Hines who is with us. Kurt, welcome. Thank you very much. Looking forward to a very fun conversation. All right, Kurt. How do we? What official title do we give you? Um. I guess uh, just a uh, tech handyman of a whole bunch of stuff. I, I tend to dabble in a lot of tech stuff and provide a lot of tech support, so I tend to be on the front line of things. Now, Kurt, folks, you may have heard before, that voice is uh, perhaps familiar to you as he sat in with us before when uh, Ed is off tonight, and uh, Kurt is with VC Web Design as well. And we've invited him to be in here because we had so much fun with him when he was on before giving us some advice. So it's good to have you aboard, Kurt. Oh, I have a blast with you guys. I'm looking forward to it. All right. And then, of course, the inimitable Mr. Cal Carson, who is with us, the man with, who speaks with forked tongues, speaks both Apple and Windows and, and, and uh, PC. <laughs> Good evening, Cal. It's always best to be able to travel on both sides of the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I, let's start off, Gary, with a, a, an article that you passed on today, which was just absolutely fascinating to me, and that was the one about the Stuxnet worm. Now, we've talked about this before on a lot of other, pardon me, on a, a couple of other occasions, I think, but um, uh, the article that you sent and that we'll, click, we'll link to in our show notes from Fox News read like a spy mystery novel. An extremely yeah, extraordinary one. Except I don't think it'll turn into a movie as well as, say, James Bond did. Um, this is uh, certainly an interesting phenomenon, the sex, uh, Stuxnet, Stuxnet virus. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> say that three it. times quickly. Yeah. <laughs> the Stuxnet, S-T-U-X-N-E-T, um, is, is something that, that really kind of makes, uh, you know, some of the other viruses that we've seen that have been merely commercial, uh, kind of uh, pedestrian by comparison. This is actually targeted at Iran's nuclear capability. And to actually see it worm its way in to uh, to the uh, facilities over there in Iran, uh, the nuclear facilities where the centrifuges are and where the nuclear power plant is, uh, is nothing short of, uh, of remarkable. Now, no one really knows who created this, although uh, I think when uh, a few people in Israeli uh, intelligence were asked, all they did was smile. Yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, was, that was what was alleged to happen. What the, the story, and, and folks, I really suggest you read it, it reads, as I said, almost like a mystery novel because this, and, and I guess this is what I wanted to, you other guys maybe to comment if you've read any about this, is the degree of sophistication is light years beyond any of the um, worms that we've seen out there in terms of how it 
snuck into the system and then replicated itself and then, you know, again, transformed itself so it would avoid uh, detection. Uh, this is kind of scary that there's somebody out there who could develop a weapon like this. Well, one of the things um, I, I've been following this I find it so interesting is, like anything else with technology, once something is out and people know what can happen and can look at the source code of it, I think we're more likely to see more of these type of things happening. This uh, virus has been out since people have known about it since April. It's been examined by security researchers all over the world, and it makes it that much easier for the next Stuxnet, Stuxnet version 2, to go in another sort of attack. Um, it should take, they're saying this virus probably took a team of 10 or 26 months. How long will the next one take to make? My oh, guess is yeah. a lot less. A lot less time, exactly. Well, you know, Kurt, what's interesting to me is that, that despite of all this really great technology, that there was an air gap security system yep. in the nuclear facility, which Gary, just means... Explains that, Gary. Yeah, yeah which it. just means that there's no direct connection to the outside internet or any outside net. Um, so what really had to happen is they had to send this virus to infiltrate um, in the area around where these facilities are yep. in hopes that someone would take a USB uh, thumb drive uh, and put it into their computer in the outside world and then take and pull it out and take it into the facility, put it in, and as soon as they did that, now the worm's inside. Yep. But it really took, again, somebody uh, just being very careless yep. about security, and, you know, it's remarkable that they can just count on people being careless because people are. Is it, and so it comes down to social engineering. As Absolutely. smart as this worm was, it would never have worked if people had followed the security protocols that I'm sure were set up there. Because, sure because there was no way of the Internet getting to this except through the hands of a human being. You know, I, I will recall at a time when I was trying to get uh, PCI compliance passed at just a company around here, uh, we had uh, the auditors coming in for two days. Mm -hmm. I sent out an email around the company that said, if you find a thumb drive in the parking lot, please turn it into the security desk. Do not, under any circumstances, put it into your computer to find out what's on it. Oh, no. And we had seven or eight turned in. Oh, boy, good. And they were dropped there by the auditor to see if anybody would pick them All up right. and put them in. And, you know, just knowing that that's an auditor trick, uh, yeah. you know, you know better. But yeah. if you don't warn people, they would have done that. They would have said, wow, I wonder what's on this, and they would have put it in to find out. <laughs> of course, one thing to get around that type of situation, too, is you create a sterilization zone. Basically, you take a PC, you set it up standalone all by itself. So if you have to check something like that, you check it separate from everything else, scan it, check it out, make sure it's clean. And then if it's not clean, you've only polluted that one computer that is not part of your network. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I once set up a client. It was an accounting firm, and they were. This was a concern because accounting firms do a lot of sensitive data, essentially everything you need for identity theft. We set up a similar system to that, where we had a computer standalone by itself on a separate network. We also and literally disabled the USB on all the computers, so there's no way for you to plug any USB items into the <laughs> computers. 
We actually had to we use PCI keyboard and our uh, mice, so no USB was used there, and simply hot glued the USB ports. <laughs> Which it, it seems a bit drastic, but in certain circumstances, that's how they—that's right. how we chose to protect that place. And there was no ability for a USB to be plugged in. But now with Bluetooth, couldn't you uh, bring something in with Bluetooth now? If the computer would have to be Bluetooth enabled, most yes. desktops yeah. aren't. I you are seeing—I'm seeing most laptops I get now for well, clients may even do have Bluetooth. Yes, now that—that that, that was my point. Is that now uh, most of your laptops come equipped with Bluetooth? Uh, but I, again, the, the the fascinating thing is both the the incredible sophistication of this spyware and the frightening thought. It's like when America developed the atom bomb, and we used it on Japan, and it ended World War II. But it also unleashed the nuclear era that we're in, and the danger of now some terrorist getting hold of um, low grade. Uh, uh, you know, visible material and making what's called a dirty bomb. In, in, in other words, we created kind of a monster with that. I'm wondering if Stuxnet will be something like that. What do you think, Cal? Well, you know, it, it all boils down to, to something quite simple and quite human, in my opinion. You can take all the precautions you can. You can, you can put in all the nifty programs and, and give people all the, the things that they need to do and tell them what not to do and that sort of thing, but Unfortunately, that universal monster called greed will always oversee everything. Uh, and if someone has enough money, they can get anything done on the inside. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, is, that is a sad truth. Hey, Kurt, uh, why don't we touch on one of the subjects that uh, you're bringing tonight, and that is the, uh, uh, we, we talked about this last week, which was the Xbox Connect system by Microsoft, which connects with the Xbox 360, right? That's correct. And it has that. It's this incredible new system where you don't use any kind of little paddles. You just use your own human gestures to make things happen, which is really exciting. And you saw that there were some, had there been some open source drivers that have been built for this. It's, uh, this is pretty amazing to me. The Kinect's been out such a short period of time. I stopped in and played with it at a Best Buy, and it's pretty amazing using it. But if you look, within a day of it coming out, there was a reward out there, I think a $3,000 reward, for someone to write open source drivers. <laughs> and what Microsoft did, they actually didn't protect the USB, the information coming out of the Connect. They could have. Uh, but it was apparently very simple to write these drivers so you can plug the Connect into a computer and utilize it. There are some amazing projects going on right now. Uh, and I'll, I'll make sure we have some links included in the show notes to uh, videos of these projects. One of the ones that I find amazing, uh, this one gentleman took two connects, plugged it into his computer, created a 3D video, and you are recording a room, and you can move through the room in 3D in real time oh, while on the screen. It's <laughs> amazing. This has been less than, like, less than a week. Uh, this one guy just programming for fun has built a full 3D camera system, essentially, Let's create 3D navigatable scenes. Um, oh, so you you actually then are inside and moving. This is Tron, guys. This yeah. is, is this is Tron, the latest edition, I think. Oh my word! What happened is um, the technology to do this would used to if you wanted to assemble this will cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft did an amazing thing by putting this all into such an inexpensive package. I think it's one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, and such an inexpensive package that anyone can buy. And they chose, 
when these open source drivers first came out, they did a little back and forth, and they finally decided, you know what, do it. They blessed it, uh, which is creating some amazing projects. Mm. Uh, you're seeing other projects, um, a Kinect hooked up to a Roomba, being used to model a room in 3D as the Roomba moves around the room. Oh, my uh, word. Teaching a computer to recognize objects that you hold up to a screen. Turning regular TVs into really responsive touchscreen uh, monitors. Uh, one gentleman even hooked it up with GarageBand on his Mac to create music by simply doing gestures in the air. Oh, my goodness. And, and this is all within a week of coming out. It's one of those... I see the Kinect is one of those pieces of technology yep. that offers yep. so many options that we're going to see some amazing things yeah. uh, and not in the very near future. The yeah. air guitar never sounded so good. It <laughs> never did. You, you, now you can hear some good notes. <laughs> hey, wasn't there a, a, an instrument called the theremin? Was yes. that remembering? That was that was developed to create music by moving your hands through electrical fields. Am I right, Kurt? That's an old, old instrument, I think back from the yes. early days. Uh, and you still hear them, and some um, artists will use them in tracks. But, yeah, you essentially, if I remember correctly, it kind of looks like an antenna with uh, two poles going up. And by moving your hand in between there, you adjust the electrical yes. field, yes. which yes. then creates this kind of haunting music. Yeah. That's the same thing that used to make all that music, that sound that you hear in, like, the old uh, horror movies or the old sci-fi mu- movies when they went... Yes, exactly. Oh, that's it. And it's called the theremin, I think. Theremin. It's uh, T-H-E-R-E-M-I-N. It has a whole bunch of other names. Uh, Evented in 1928. Wow. Boy, Kurt, you are a fountain of... I I wouldn't want to try to go up against you in Scrabble. You (laughs) would wipe me out. I, I, I would, I would or, or, or Trivial Pursuit. Or Trivial Pursuit, there you go. I would have <laughs> thought, <laughs> that last one. <laughs> I, I would have thought Foster would have known that really well. I mean, that uh, was kind of close, wasn't it? Yeah, I see, I knew of the device, but I couldn't tell you that it was invented, invented in 1928, or exactly how it worked, but Kurt can. Ay, ay, ay. Well, hey, well, <laughs> Mr. Smarty Cal Carson, how are things going in the Apple world? I'm not seeing much uh, in the news this week about Apple. Was it kind of exhausted itself? Well, you know, they're just selling stuff at their normal, regular <laughs> clip, and things are going fine. They're eating up that, uh, you know, 13% established base that Gary always never talks about oh. and that sort of thing. But I did find something interesting uh, on eWeekly this week. Uh, they had iPhone apps for Black Friday shopping madness. Oh. And uh, they had a, there was a, a couple out there that were really kind of cool, and these are the same... Uh, Apps that will also work on, uh, some of them will work on your iPod Touch if you have Wi-Fi connection. One of them was a, uh, for uh, Black, it was a free app, and uh, this one was put out by Fat Wallet, which I believe is oh, one yeah. of uh, Ed's favorite websites. Yeah, Tom, and, uh, Tom Dyroff, uh, I think was, it was one of his favorites for a long time. Yep, yeah. and what they did is they kept track of all these different Black Friday uh, ads and oh. whether or not they were valid or not so that you didn't go rushing off to the store trying to buy, you know, uh, I don't know, a 65-inch uh, LCD TV for, you know, 25 bucks when they were all gone anyway. <laughs> so uh, they, they had an application that would take care of that. Oh, wow. Cool, I saw. Uh, they had a Black Friday uh, wish list that you could set up on your iPhone. And so, like, I would put on my iPhone, let's see, wish list, uh, Foster would like a brand-new Mac. Uh, Gary would like everything in his house converted from Windows to Mac. Uh, uh, and, and then what it would do is it would Twitter that out to different locations or 
put it out on Facebook so people would know what your wish list was all about. I'll be darned. Well, I do want to get to people's wish lists a little later on, um, but uh, I wanted to get the three of you guys to comment on this, and maybe, Gary, we could start with you. You know, a number of years ago we talked about Cyber Monday because that was the kind of the attempt by the electronic industry to jump piggyback onto the Black Friday experience, which was, you know, they get that shopping frenzy going. But that seems to have all kind of gone by the wayside because electronic pieces are now a big part of Black Friday. And it's like, you know, everybody's got sales going on. Are we going to see anything special coming up on Cyber Monday? With Cyber Monday, really, it it, it was really kind that because when Black Friday started, people didn't go to work. People didn't go to work again until Monday after Thanksgiving. And it was there that they had really good access to the Internet. They might have had dial-up, but they couldn't get much. Or sometimes they didn't even have dial-up at home, but they did at work. So they did all their their shopping when they got connected to the Internet on Monday. Um, So that, you know, today... Uh, you know, kids were online all day on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Um, so were we. So, you know, the, yeah. the whole idea of Cyber Monday now has has really morphed into just a, a, another reason for all of us to talk about, you know, uh, ways to uh, to hook people in, another reason to have another sale, <laughs> trying to get trying to jumpstart and get uh, things going. You know, Black Friday, the reason it was called Black Friday is because until Friday after Thanksgiving, most retailers were running in the red for the rest of the year. It was only on that day that they started to make enough sales uh, that they finally crossed the line into, you know, into profit territory. Today, it's not at all clear that there's any one particular day, depending on the the, uh, retailer. I I haven't seen the stats out. Have any of you guys seen out how uh, how the retailers did? Uh, They they normally won't put those stats out until about Monday or Tuesday, because they count the entire weekend. I I don't think they just count Friday for the Black Friday thing. and I, I got to tell you, I, I I had to go into Micro Center yesterday. Oh Lord! And, and this was oh Lord. This is what without, two days later without and, body armor. Oh no, no! People were very quite. They, they were quite reasonable in there, but the checkout line oh. snaked all the way halfway around the store. Oh my word! It was just incredible. I know, I've there. been there, so I know that they have when they are going full tilt. They have about what like eight or ten uh, cashiers working. So. They had every one of them running, which was about 12. Wow. And uh, it was just incredible. You would think, you know, with all the talk about the economy having problems, you wouldn't think it was going on in there. Oh, man. Uh, That's wonderful news. Uh, yes, it is. It's good news, I guess, I guess for all of us. I, I, Kurt, just as, uh, do you, I don't hear any thoughts on this Cyber Monday business. I kind of see it. I know, I mean, my own personal behavior is I kind of see it as just this massive weekend of sales from Friday to Monday. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of the things, I know myself, I didn't go in the store on uh, Black Friday, but I bought some things online on uh, Black Friday sales. Um, yep. And I kind of just see Cyber Monday as just an extension, and I almost see the cyber part being pushed back. A lot of the sales now are good online and in stores. Yeah. Um, they always have those doorbuster sales, but... 
lot of things you need you can get simply by going online. So, you know, there, there's, there, I'm reading some articles. They're expecting, uh, Cyber Monday sales to be up 33%. Um, but I see it just as a whole extension of Black Friday. I sure. really see it being almost merged. Well, you know, the other thing though, I will say, and I don't know if you guys have encountered this, but, uh, in terms of, uh, sales, um, I went into Staples, as a matter of fact, to get the headset that I'm using today for the Skype, uh, and, um, uh, there was a, 10% off coupon online, not in the stores. It was online, and you had to print it off and take it in with you physically, which was kind of interesting. But uh, there was an advantage to visiting the different websites, and I imagine that's happening other places too. Uh, but there, it's clicks and mortar, Gary, like we used to talk about clicks and mortar. You know where yeah. people existed. Clicks both. and bricks. Clicks yep. and bricks, where they, you know, you 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 exist in the uh, virtual world of the internet, and then in the real world of the bricks right. and uh, so this is there's come interesting combinations when you combine those things uh, those things together by the way well, I had I had actually two interesting experiences um, one where I was in Macy's they didn't have exactly what I wanted mm-hmm. not in the store here in Ann Arbor but they said I could take and drive if I wanted to to Fairlane and pick it up there however, they said, why don't you just go home and order it? It's so much easier, so much faster. Uh, we could take and have it shipped to our store, but why don't you just have it shipped to your house so you don't have to come back and pick it up here? So you know, so, wow. So they're driving us to the Internet when they don't have it right there in the store. Yeah. yeah. The other it's interesting... For, yeah, it's a way for them to keep capturing the sale. Yeah, absolutely. The other interesting thing that happened was um, I didn't realize I was going to Borders, until after I was out, hadn't printed the Borders coupon, uh, stopped by Borders, and I said, you know, I have that on my iPhone. They said, that's good enough. So I showed them the iPhone. They said, that's good. And they wow. keyed it in, and uh, it didn't need to print anything. Wow. That and, got, and got my 40% off. Well, right. Cal, uh, hey, am I not right that there are also some apps out there now on the iPhone? That I, I didn't think they were on before, but that you can read barcodes on products? Oh and, yeah, and compare prices. Use the camera. Yeah. Use the camera, don't you, on the yeah, iPhone you, 4? you just hit, you just hold the camera up to the barcode symbol, and uh, it it takes a picture of it, and then you take this app and you click on it, and it goes out and searches for the lowest price, like at Amazon.com or you know most of the major uh, retailers. Mm-hmm. And and the nice thing about that, Cal, is that it's location based, so it'll tell me that I can buy the exact same thing farther down in the mall or in the you know a few blocks away at another store and it gives me the price it also gives me all the specs so if i did it with a say printer because that's the one thing that i was uh had done it on i i got all the specs on the printer because i don't always get that when i'm standing in front of the sprint the printer i get some of the specs but i don't give them get them all so it gives me all the specs but it tells me where else i can shop in you know in a very local area and it gives me the price. It's it's just amazing how how everything can be pinpointed right down to almost the footprint you're standing in to be able to give you the type of information you want. And it takes that information, correlates it all together, and says, "Oh, Gary's standing in the middle of Briarwood, and he's looking for a printer." And let's see, oh my God, in that same zip code, there's a Best Buy, there's a a yeah. Comp USA, there's Lottie Blotty Blotty, and they all carry this stuff. It's just amazing. It gets better and better with every year. 
Oh, wow. We should mention a few of the apps that do that. Yeah. Um, on the iPhone, Red Laser's been out for quite a while. And yep. the Google app itself, a lot of people uh, love using the Google app for that exact purpose. Oh. And you know what I find, Kurt, is that when I use Red Laser, if I can't get it, because sometimes they're not available, I go to pick to shop which is the other one that's free, yep. um, and I use that one. If I can't get on those two, I probably can't get it. But if I can get it on one, I usually can get something on one or the other of those two apps. Wow, those are something else. Hey, listen, guys, there's something that came up that I, I was, matter of fact, I, it was, got my attention and I jumped in on Mashable. I don't know if you guys know that, about that. Matter of fact, Kurt, I think you may have been the one that told me when you were visiting one time, uh, with some of your, uh, fellows from, uh, uh, BC Web Design talked about Mashable as being a great place to go for news. And uh, I went there, and there was a big discussion that was started about the U.S. government shutting down. They seized a peer-to-peer uh, sharing. Actually, it was not. A, it was was the um, uh, help me on this, Kurt. It was uh, uh, was a directory site, wasn't it, for peer-to-peer sharing for, for for torrent? What they actually did, they seized about seventy-five domain names. Oh, uh, in two categories. One category was a BitTorrent searching uh, site. BitTorrent, for those of you who don't know, is a way of downloading uh, movies and music and you know pretty much anything you want, some legal, some illegal, off the Internet. They also seized the domains of a bunch of counterfeit goods, like counterfeit pur- uh, purses. Mm. Um, but they only seized the domains. They didn't seize the web servers. So the website still exists, just the domain to get there is gone. Um, what a lot of those websites have done is simply got new domain names. And they're back up and running with oh, because they, but uh, but now how how do people find them? Twitter. <laughs> um, if you go and I, I'm just looking at an article talking about it, um, they've all just announced on Twitter, hey, this is our new domain. Instead of .com, which is a U.S. based, so that the U.S. government can grab it, they're all getting .infos, which they suppose the U.S. Oh. government have a hard time getting. They're back up within days. They'll take a hit uh, hit in traffic as people have to find the new one. Um, but you simply do a Google search. Google indexes Twitter right at the top, well, and you can very quickly find where your site went. But let's step back for a second and just get your your, your opinions, you guys, and, and uh, maybe we can start with you, Kurt. Uh, um, you know, being from this this generation of people who are you know peer to peer transfer sharing of things using uh, uh, BitTorrent to share all sorts of stuff. Um, what do you guys what do you think of this whole notion of the government? And it, and it seems without having to, to show there's probable cause that there's something illegal going on there, that they can come in and just, wham, shut down a website. I think, I mean, the, the reason that, you know, especially as people of the younger generation, my generation that use this peer-to-peer, it's more, I think, about access than the free aspect. People who want it because it's free never would have paid for this stuff in the first place. But a lot of us want our, you know, our music, our movies when we want it. We want to be able to play it anywhere. And, right, right. Um, the government is really acting on the behest of the media companies, of the TV companies, the movie companies. Mm-hmm. They're the ones, obviously, that are pushing for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's probably certain, I mean, if you're a civil libertarian bent, I think you might have an issue with the fact of what you would pre- we perceive as private property mm-hmm. being uh, taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yep. I, you know, the domains being seen as private property, I think, may be the issue. I mean, they may not legally be private property as we see it. Oh, I um, see. I which see. is why maybe it's simpler for the government to simply take them. Mm. So, 
these are these are sites that um, allow, in fact, encourage right aid and abet, aid and abet um, people sharing copyrighted material. Right. In most cases, all they actually are is search engines. They don't host any material. No, no, they no. But, actually... but that's why. Excuse me. That was why yeah. I jumped in and said aid and abet. Yes, they you know, do. Now they they don't do any, if you will. They don't. Share the material. They don't fence the stolen goods, but they they tell you where to go to get them. What I find interesting is Google does the exact same thing. Uh, if you read about how a lot of people find BitTorrent files, for instance, they just use Google. Um, oh, okay. So it's you. They, I mean, to actually being able to do this, Google will do it all for you. I think the issue is that these specifically focus on the peer-to-peer instead of being a more general site like Google is. Okay. So I, I think for the most part you find it's pretty universal. Uh, when the government does something that uh, that's, you know, one, one group will, will want them to do and another group will not want them to do. And, you know, at one time it's, oh, it's good for security, it's good for this, it's good for that. But when it's not for the good of whoever wants to benefit from that particular uh, facility, uh, aka a, a torrent site or something like that, mm-hmm. then the government's wrong for doing it. Um, should they be in the business of doing it? I, I'm not really sure. Uh, it all depends on what exactly they're going after. Uh, yeah. if, if it's if it's truly for security, if it's uh, going after things like uh, I don't know sites that may have things that are harmful to uh, to children or something like that, then I say yeah, let them go for it and let them take care of it. But uh, if they're doing it just to su- support a commercial enterprise outside of the typical legal system, in other words, yeah, if, if a, a mandated, uh, a court mandated thing says to shut the site down, you know, then that's well, one thing. But just well that, because that seems ahead. to be that seems to be part of the problem. And and my comment on the on the site was that I mean. Isn't unlawful search and seizure, wasn't that one of the things that got us to be the United States of America, you know, that we objected to uh, the British officials, you know, doing that kind of thing? I think, I think what really got us to be the United States of America is that we have laws. Yeah, but with and, the law, and we enforce the laws. Yeah, but don't you have to And the probable cause is that you can get on there and see that it's copyrighted material and you're breaking copyright. No? Okay. Isn't that pro- isn't that probable cause? Uh, yes, but don't you have to demonstrate that in a court? Like for instance, uh, like go to- like actually pull up a browser and show. Yes, yes. Oh, so they do that. Well, but apparently that had didn't happen, and that was what a lot of the comments on there were was that the government you know didn't say look this is doing X, Y, and Z, and because these are illegal acts, we're shutting this thing down. It was just simply boom, you've been shut down. People can't use your services anymore, and then, as Kurt said, they they could anyway. Um, I guess my concern was the ability of the government to just simply jump in and say, "We're going to pull the site off," without pre- presenting the reason, or if you will, the 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 valid reasons for doing that. So then, what you would think is the more appropriate is just go after the people that are actually making it available. Oh, that, yes. But, I mean, in, in any case, I don't mind the government shutting a site down. If it can say, look, we're doing it because we've got X, Y, and Z, it would be like saying, if you could do a wiretap, you have to go into a court normally, and uh, except for now under the Patriot Act, you have to go into the courts normally and say, 
we have reason to believe that these activities are taking place and therefore that it's in the uh, the benefit of the of the common good for us to be able to listen into this person to Gary's conversations. And I really what... just would really <laughs> love to see the the last police officer that pulled me over for speeding have to go to court before he could pull me over. Well, no, he's using an instrument to tell you, to tell the judge. Yeah, you know, and just like a browser. Yep, just like oh, a browser. Oh, okay, okay. You're saying that they, it, because it's an obvious, it's obvious on the browsers that they have the they have the proof. In other words, yeah, when, certainly they do. You do. I do. I think one of the Sir, concerns would but, be not necessarily, you know, that they're seizing these, but I think you'll see people talk about the slippery slope. Yeah. You know, if it's this easy to seize this domain, you know, does it get easier to seize the next thing that maybe is a little less infringing? Well, you know, part of the, part of this, excuse me, guys, is because of an article that Ed sent uh, to us, and then I'll attach to our show notes, um, and it's called Internet Censorship, One Step Closer to Law, uh, and it's about the, the Senate Judiciary Committee voted unanimously to pass the Combating Online Infringement and Counterfeits Act, um, and it's getting close to law. It's not quite there. The law would give the U.S. Attorney General's Office the right to shut down websites that it deems are participating in piracy and infringing activities without, here, here it is, without due process or proof that a copyright crime has been committed. And that's the part that concerns me and, and a lot of other people as well. That you don't have to prove that something is being... And Gary, it may be just as simple as, as, you're, as you said. Open up a browser and pick one. There it is. Done. It's proved. Well, you have to look at, you know, so how much... A site like this generally isn't used 100% for legal purposes. No. Um, and so at what point, um, you know, we tend to have a presumption of innocence in our culture. Um, at what point do you make them prove, you know, yeah, there's yeah. infringing uh, stuff going on, but there's also perfectly legal items going on as well. Where yeah, is that? I wonder where that balance is at. I don't speed generally. Oh, I, ahead, don't speed, I don't speed all the time, just when I go over 70. <laughs> <laughs> but you know something? Just opening up a browser is not necessarily proof that it's an infringement because it, anyone can see it out there unless you can actually pull it down is the true infringement. Right. Yes, yes. And I... In, yes. And by the way, I am not, I'm not suggesting that we kind of give a wink and a nod, you know, to people who are taking copyrighted materials and sharing them illegally i do not believe in that and and you know i hope they get their site shut down so i don't want anybody presuming that i'm uh that i'm trying to make that argument uh hey guys let's let's move on to something else because we're getting a little long here and i, I do want to get this in before we uh, uh we wrap it up tonight and kurt you brought something up in the pre-show notes about um the rise of subscription viewing plans talk a little bit about that because i found this absolutely fascinating you're seeing this big rise. It used to be um, video. If you wanted to watch a movie or a TV show, you paid Comcast 80 bucks a month and you got your TV and you go to Blockbuster and rent a movie. Yep. Uh, then you got video on demand where you could simply watch your movie right over your Comcast or, uh, or cable connection or now uh, the, um, telephone company connection. Mm -hmm. But you're seeing a lot, a lot of people uh, like me are cutting that cord. Uh, we don't see a need to pay a cable company anymore. We pay our internet service, 
And what we want to view, we view online. Hulu's been around for a couple of years now. Yep. Hulu, for those who aren't familiar with it, yep. essentially lets you watch TV shows online. They have a broad variety. Most of what you're looking for is available there to be able to watch very easily. And free, isn't it? Most, most of it that I've seen and out free here. With, yeah. uh, it's always been free. Yep. They just announced a release, Hulu Plus. Uh, Hulu Plus lets you watch more TVs to go back farther or more shows, go yeah. back farther in time, and watch them on a lot of devices. So if you want to be able to watch TV on your iPad mm-hmm. or, or on your iPhone, um, I think your Android device coming up, um, or even a lot of devices hook up to your TV, um, the Wii Player, for instance, or the Roku, yeah. or a whole bunch of these boxes that connect to your TV, you can essentially watch all the TV you want on demand. Um, and that has been released with the simultaneous release from Netflix of a streaming-only plan. So Netflix obviously lets you watch DVDs by mail. Yep. They added streaming services, mm-hmm. and they they just added in America for eight bucks a month, you can get unlimited streaming. I know my uh, daughter over the computer. I, 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 this is what fascinated me. I was just at my daughter's house the other day, and they were big uh, TV series watchers. They've given it up, and through uh, Netflix, with their Wii, they were able to hook this thing up, and I, I don't exactly understand how it works, but my, my daughter was saying, I got rid of my cable. I still have an internet connection, obviously, mm-hmm. but I got rid of my cable subscription because we can, and, and she started scrolling down through this, uh, on the screen, you know, all this Netflix, all these TV series you can watch, all the movies, just incredible, and games you can play, uh, it's just astounding. So I said, and I'll ask you, Kurt, what do you do for, oh, let's say you want to watch CSI of Las Vegas. Um, is that served up by Netflix? Are your regular TV programs, your TV channels served up? Discovery Channel, you know, places like that? So what you're going to get on Netflix is pretty much anything that would be on a DVD. Um, okay. So if you're, um, a lot of people don't want, haven't, don't like live TV. They just watch a series when it comes out on DVD. All right. So Netflix will give you that. When it comes out on DVD, if you're, um, for, out, for about 20% of the catalog, not all of it, you can watch it by streaming. Okay. But if you want to watch the uh, latest edition of CSI Miami, uh, you would then use Hulu for that. Oh, um, really? But the way they work, if you connect it to your Wii, it's all the same box. It's the same remote. Mm-hmm. It's just going to a different screen. Uh, so it just becomes a lot more convenient. You're seeing certain items like um, Google TV, which is having a rocky start, but it's trying to make it, that combine all these into one central system. And so a, a physical do. box that they put together with Logitech, right? A physical box that plugs into your TV and lets you search for any show you want to watch, and just it finds it for you and plays it. But can, you still, find, can you still watch live TV, though, like football games today? Now, to watch live TV, if you don't have cable, you don't have satellite, um, there is even, I, for a client, we found um, college, I believe it was a college football uh, streaming from the ESPN3 website. Um, so <laughs> I, it's kind of crazy. You're not going to get everything by, for sure. Um, and that's one of the big things that has held back is sports because a lot of sports is not yeah. available yeah. streaming live. Yeah. Uh, if you're a sports fan, you generally still need to have cable. Um, what a, hey, Kurt, what about local TV, local news? So, and that's another thing. If you want to watch, you know, the local news, uh, most local news are not going to be broadcasting anything online. Or online. You need to um, watch it on your TV through normal means, but that's available free over the air with an antenna. Um, 
So if you truly want to cut the cord, you plug an antenna into your TV, you get those high-def signals over the air, and then you get uh, something that will stream Hulu and Netflix. That gives you local coverage, and it gives you everything else you want to watch. Now, my daughter said, and this really shocked me, guys, uh, she said, I've cut, the cord, I've cut the cord completely, like like you were saying, Kurt, and I'm on this Netflix plan, and that her daughters, she said that her daughters could watch the TV series that they like, the live, I guess from live TV, on their computers. How does that work? Um, it, if it's actually live TV, like um, you're generally maybe hooking it through an antenna system to the house. Oh, okay. I guess okay. that's so- not... Probably not something she's doing. Oh, no. Um, certain live TV will be streamed, but generally you don't get live streaming. Okay. Uh, it's generally always recorded content. Okay. So recorded content. So at the, at the Baker household, we're not liable to cut the cord yet? Not quite yet because of sports, but, uh, you know, who knows? I can tell you, I haven't had cable uh, TV in well over a year. Really? Yeah. I, no, you're not, I, take it, you're not a big, I take it you're not a big sports fan then. I'm not. When I watch sports, I'm at friends' houses. <laughs> oh, now that's an idea. There you go. <laughs> yeah, because we can drink, drink their beer, too. Exactly. <laughs> I'm saving money all kinds of ways. <laughs> hey, Cal, how about the Carson household? Are we level to have you cutting the cable? Uh, I haven't cut the cable yet, only because the cable delivers to me my Internet. I'm, oh, sure, yeah. I could, I'm sure I could get rid of the, the uh, TV portion, but... Uh, I'm, I'm okay with the way it is. I'm an old-fashioned sort of guy. I want to be able to watch TV on the TV. But I, but I know that once that once you can get local content like news and, and that sort of thing uh, that is local via that, that type of situation, then I'll be installing an Apple TV and, and using that to uh, pull down my content because I, I know they do stream Netflix to Apple TV as well. We also have a Wii we could use. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are choices. I, I, I just tell you guys, I was astounded when I went to my daughter's house, and this is a big TV watching house. When they told me that they had just, as Kurt did, they've cut the they've cut the cord. They still have internet connect. They just don't have a cable bill for uh, you know was it forty five some odd dollars or more that you pay you know for the the cable package. Uh, they're paying for the internet only on that. Hey, one last thing, guys. I'm just curious. Have any of you seen this new Acer laptop that is out that has two Touch screens. Have that is it? gorgeous. I've only seen photos, and I'd love to see one in real life. That yeah, I I think it it certainly looks gorgeous on uh, on all the images that I've seen. It's, it does. I wonder how well it works. I I do too. And I wonder, like I I hunt and peck. I can type, you know, regular with both hands. I hunt and peck when I type on my iPhone. Yeah, me and, too. And, and there's there's no you know, you don't have that what they call haptic feel, the, you know, the bounce back that you have keys on a keyboard. So I would wonder how that would work as a full full keyboard, but it's virtual <laughs> or it's a touchscreen. I, I would really wonder how that would work. Yeah. I can't imagine if you're a heavy typer, you'd want to use that. Uh, I don't uh, see it either. But my guess is you simply, if you when you need to type a long document, you just get one of those roll, rollable or those uh, you know USB keyboards. Yeah, I type that way. And then I would wonder, what would you use the double key, the the double uh, screens for? I, I can imagine you could, you know, put e- like I do. Uh, I put email and calendar on one side and put, you know, something else on another side. I would guess. If they're dual touch screens, yeah, uh, are, yeah. are they? Uh, is one facing you and one facing away from you? No, it's, it would be like a regular laptop. When you open it up, 
you've got the part that's vertical in front of you, which is the screen that you watch. That's touchscreen. And then the screen that's in front of you where your keyboard is normally on a laptop right now, that's a touchscreen as well. Oh, that's kind of different. Isn't it? Well, i got a link to that. I'm going to put a link. It's a link to the pictures at least. At least. And I'd be interested in seeing uh, you know, what any of your re- reactions are if you get your hands on one. So i just wrap this thing up, uh, guys. Does anybody have... Uh, uh, have you put your request into Canada uh, to Santa for any particular kind of uh, technology, Gary? How about you? Well, I'll tell you what. I, you know, when I was playing with the iPad this last summer, I just can't wait for the next version. It won't be out before Christmas, but shortly after the the first of the year, I'm looking for the the next version of that. Would love to have an iPad uh, by by spring. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay, how about uh, Kurt? How about you? I'm kind of with Gary on that. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the next version of the iPad has. Uh, until that comes out, I may be in the market for an inexpensive e-reader. Ah, uh, for an e-reader. All yeah. right. You wouldn't use, like, an iPhone for an e-reader? It's too small? Um, I'm thinking I travel a lot, and I would love to have something to be able to throw in my bag. Uh, yeah. So I'm not carrying four or five books with me, but just something I can sit. You know, I'm looking at a vacation coming up pretty soon. I can sit on the beach with my e-reader. Uh, instead of having to have all my big stack of books. Well, Cal, that may bring a, a bump, bump it over to you. That you talked about the Samsung Galaxy. I got my hands on one of those at uh, a Radio Shack, and that is a neat little form factor. It almost is like what Kurt talks about in terms of size. It's almost like the size of the Connect. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. What is the uh, the e-reader from uh, Kindle? The Kindle. It's almost about that size. I don't know. Maybe maybe Cal, that's what he's looking for to travel with. Uh, you know, I gotta say, I'm, I'm kind of with the guys. Uh, if if I could have the toy, I could have. I, I would probably go for an iPad as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily have to have the second genera- the next generation one. Although it, it, it smells like I would say a camera's coming in that one yep. for sure, and that sort of thing. I mean, I could take generation now. My uh, sister-in-law had one uh, over at the house during the uh, holidays, and when she was leaving, I was packing up, uh, you know, all the holiday goodies for her and. She goes, where's my iPad? I'm like, there's no iPad to pack up. <laughs> uh, my house, my rules, huh, Cal? <laughs> well, you know, it was it was within the territorial bounds, and, yeah. and I was really concerned about it. I figured maybe I'd seize it just to make sure it yeah. didn't have any content on it that we right. had to be concerned about. Right. <laughs> Speaking of unlawful search and seizure, well, guys, this has been another great edition of the Roundtable. Thank you so much. Kurt, it's been a delight having you in here with us. Foster, this has been a blast. I love talking to you guys, as always. And we will certainly pick that back up again at another roundtable coming up soon. Cal Carson, thank you so much for joining us. It's no other place on earth I'd rather be on a night like this. (laughs) And, Mr. Gary Baker, thank you. The next time I will have my camera plugged in and we can smile at one another as well. That sounds great. It's always... uh... Always fun to uh, play with new technology, so I'm looking forward to that. And to talk about it as well. Folks, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Internet Advisor Tech Roundtable. For the Roundtable, I'm Foster Brown, wishing you a very good day.